It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Let's have some fun, and it's going to be quite a night tonight. We have Joe Biden. He did the real-life Ron Burgundy thing, reading off the teleprompter. It's pants-wetting funny. I'll play that in just a little bit. We have the great Michael Malice coming up an hour and a half from now. He's always got something interesting to say. I'm actually bringing on a rare two-guest night. My buddy Daniel Turner, final hour, the strategic oil reserves. I'm going to talk about that here in just a bit, but he's an expert on it. We'll talk about that with him. We have some Kyle Rittenhouse audio. He was on my friend Tucker's show last night. We'll play you some of that. It's going to be a fun, fun Jesse Kelly show. Oh, oh. And Thomas Jefferson, his statue got removed. I will explain why. All that is coming up tonight. And it's, it's going to be a good time, like it always is, but we have to do something uh, not fun, not fun at all, and this is going to be hard, so just sit with me for a minute. Uh, you know last night we said we were going to keep you updated on uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, and everything that happened there with the casualties and people killed, and, and what did I tell you last night? I said... The current number was five. I'll keep you updated throughout. That number tends to go up in these mass casualty events. If you if you have five people dead and forty some injured, what that means is someone's injured really really badly and and probably fighting for their life, critical condition, being operated on, so on and so forth. And obviously, death is one of those things that's very very difficult to deal with. I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but. There is something less tragic, still sad, but less tragic about dying when you're old. That's kind of what we feel like life should be, right? You're born and you live a whole life, and then when you're old, whatever you define old as, the body kind of gives up and that's it. You're gone. That's it. And it's not great in an event like this when an old person dies. It's obviously horrendous. It's horrendous that that an older person would lose their life to some scumbag terrorist like this at the end of their life is horrendous. But there were a bunch of people at that parade, old people and children. And as of today, earlier today, the age range for people who had died, it was all older people. It was five people aged 51 to eight or 52 to 81. So obviously not ancient, and every one of those is heartbreaking, right? It's someone's mom, grandma, not discounting that. But I was at least, I've been watching it all day because I know how many kids were at that parade. And there's no doubt that there are people listening to my voice right now who've experienced the loss of a child. And I will tell you as a parent, I don't think I could go on if I lost one of my buddies. I don't think I don't think I could go on. We just lost one of the kids uh, at the parade. He was in critical condition. His name is Jackson Sparks. He, I mean, all I've got is a picture. An adorable eight-year-old boy. He was in critical condition, and he died. He also, you need to keep this family in your prayers. Keep the Sparks family in your prayers. Because he has a 12-year-old brother who was also seriously hurt. 
I mean, you need to keep everyone in that town in your prayers because there are people who are seriously hurt and I'm sure fighting for their lives beyond the injuries, infections, and all the things that come with with devastation like that. Uh, I know because of who you are, you're probably right now hurting a bit. I am. I'm obviously doing the same. If I get information on any way we can help uh, the Sparks family, I will verify first, and then I will get that information out to you. More than anything right now, I think they just need your prayers. So that is no longer five dead. That is now six dead. Uh, In case you're wondering, the piece of filth who did it, he had his initial hearing today. He actually had bail available to him at $5 million, so I don't think he'll be clearing that anytime soon. Undoubtedly going to be spending the rest of his life in prison. We will keep you abreast of his motivations. For some reason, it's been 24 hours, 48 hours. It's been 48 hours. Why don't we know why he did this yet? Anyone? Why don't we know why he did this yet? And if it sounds like I'm getting upset, it's because I just looked at a picture of a dead eight-year-old boy. I'm very upset. I want to know why he did this. I have been very, very, you know, I told you last night, I've played this down the line. I didn't dive on any still dead bodies to make any political points, especially not the night it happened. Then last night we came on, found out who he was, told you about his criminal record. We haven't dug anything into backgrounds, heavily into backgrounds or motivations at all. We are now far enough away. I would like to know. I have certain knowledge because I've seen it on video. I've played you the audio here that the Federal Bureau of Investigation is not even looking into these left-wing terrorist groups. I would like to know. Is this guy part of one of these black nationalist violent groups? Is he part of Antifa? And I feel like I have every right to know because the second someone on the right spits on the sidewalk, I have every Facebook post he's ever written on NBC News that night. I want to know what this man's motivations are. I want to know if he watched MSNBC and saw people saying white supremacist. I want to know if people... If maybe he watched the president of the United States talk about how shocked he was at the verdict and Vice President Dome right there with him. I want to know if he was listening to the NAACP loser talking about white supremacy this and white vigilantes that. I want to know. I want to know if rhetoric like that, disgusting, vile, Violent rhetoric like that is the reason an eight-year-old boy is about to be buried by his family. And I think you have a right to know. That's where we are now. I want motivations. And no, I'm not going to let it go. I'm not going to forget about it either. Don't think that the news is going to do what they're already trying to do and define this as a car crash and move on the next day. Well, up anyway, there was a car crash in Waukesha. Right, anyway, how about them jets? No, 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 no. You're not going to do what you just did when we drone strike those kids in Afghanistan. You're not going to do what you just did when we got 13 of our warriors killed in Afghanistan. You're not going to do what you've done about the mass sex trafficking of children across our border and ignore it as if it's not happening every single day. I'm not letting this go. I want to know what this piece of trash thinks. I want to know why he thinks it. I want to know what motivated him. I want to know what social media accounts he follows. I want to know what news programs he watches.
I want to know if Tiffany Cross at MSNBC, who ran her stupid mouth about a lot of white supremacist stuff, I want to know if he watches her show. I want to know what inspired him to hop in a red SUV and mow down a bunch of people. And I think you and I have a right to know. And this disgusting media we have in this country would be falling all over themselves to tell us. Right now, it's been 48 hours. It's been 48 hours. I promise you, if I got in my car after this, if I went out, hopped in a pickup, and mowed down a bunch of people at a Black Lives Matter rally after this, and I didn't have a radio show. Just pretend I was just, just no one knew who I was. I promise you the American media would have every tweet I ever put up within 35 seconds. They would know the name of my family. They'd know how I voted in past elections. Is he a registered Republican? They'd want to know what bumper stickers I had on my car. And it would be on the nightly news that night. That night it would be on the news. And you know I'm right. And you're not going to get away with this again. You're not going to get away with, oh, it was a violent car. It was a car crash. I'm already looking. You think I'm not even joking. I'm not even trying to make a funny point. They're already out there, headline after headline after headline, calling it a deadly crash. As if the guy's foot slipped off the pedal and happened to run up on the sidewalk or something real quick. This is a mass casualty domestic terror event. It took place on the soil of the United States of America. It potentially was part of something bigger with the violent black nationalists rampaging across this country, issuing threats right and left. And I realize it's not a concerned parent worried about their kid having to study gender queer theory in school, complaining at a school board, but maybe someone at the Federal Bureau of Investigation could look into such a thing. Or is that too far? All right. We're going to have a good show. That's enough of that. I had to get that off my chest. Now, we do have to prepare for ugliness out there, right? I mean, you have a weapon probably. You have insurance. What have you done to prepare yourself against financial disaster? Have you bought gold yet from Oxford Gold Group? I'm not telling you and never will to go build a bunker out back of your house, although that'd be awesome. I'm not telling you to sell your home and buy it or buy gold with it. I'm telling you to get some gold delivered to your front door from Oxford Gold Group so the government doesn't have the power to destroy every dime of wealth you have. Call 833-995-GOLD and tell them Jesse told you to call. You must protect yourself. I have to protect myself. 833-995-GOLD, Oxford Gold Group. Tell them Jesse told you to call. They'll take care of you. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and I am a fat liar. Because last Friday I promised you a Mike Pence story on Monday, and I'm checking my watch now, and it looks like it's Tuesday. (laughs) I totally screwed up yesterday and forgot to tell you. Well, in fairness, in fairness, I didn't forget. Last Friday, you'll remember on the show, you can go download the podcast, by the way, iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. We had a great Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. It was a wild day. But I specifically said, Michael, Chris, remind me on Monday 
to play the Mike Pence story. Chris, is that not what I said? I remember that's what I said. You know, that middle finger doesn't change the fact that that's what I said, Chris. Did I get reminded yesterday, gentlemen? No, I did not. So like any good leader, I'm going to pass the buck on down the line and dump on everyone below me. That's what real leadership is. Everyone knows. (laughs) All right, enough of that. Enough of that. Let's get to the actual story. Because they get asked a lot about Mike Pence. I mean, I have you, you you're calling me out. I have this email here. Last Friday, you told, you promised to tell your personal story about Mike Pence in the first hour. It didn't happen. So now I'm giving it to everyone first hour. Let's take a little rewind through my past, shall we? Now, I encourage you a lot to run for office. Run for school board, city council, county commissioner, DA, sheriff. These local positions are critical to our future critical to taking back your town, your state. Forget about the federal government. It sucks. We can win local elections and they can make a huge difference in your life and the life of your family. Well, shockingly, I actually do put my money where my mouth is. And once upon a time, I did run for Congress. Many already know this. I got out of the Marine Corps. I was uh, 23, 22, 23 when I got out of the Marine Corps. Got out of the Marine Corps, went down to Arizona. About the time I had joined the Marine Corps, my dad had started a construction company and he'd moved it to Arizona. And you know, that's what I grew up doing. So that's what I went back down to doing, doing construction. And part of doing construction, if you want to make any money in it at all, is you have to travel a lot. That's just the nature of the beast. You don't get to pick, oh, I'm only doing construction projects five minutes from my house. Like You have to do them everywhere. So it involved a lot of travel for me especially once I got out of the ditch and started trying to work into management. Now, we started doing a project. I was living in in Tucson, Arizona, started doing a project. I'm not going to bother telling you where it was. You'd never be able to find the town on a map. The town's called Ajo, A-J-O. If you Google image searched it, it'd all be the same picture because it is tiny. But none of that matters. It was a couple hours away from my house, which was giving me tons of time in my pickup every single week. And so I, during that time, started listening to a ton of talk radio. I was, I'd never been a political person before then. And I started reading. I was just, I had always read a bunch of history books. I started reading political books. I started to get really into politics and really concerned about the direction of the country. Along comes Barack Obama. And he's running for office at the time. This is his first presidential run. And I get really, really mad. And as everybody hearing the sound of my voice knows by now, I don't do things halfway. This has burned me several times in my life. I don't test the waters. I jump in, all in. I want to do something. Boom, let's do it now. There's no thinking about it. Now, this obviously worked out pretty well in the end because I happen to be doing this because of that. But it has not worked out so well. So I just decide I'm running for U.S. Congress. I'm running for U.S. Congress. Everyone in my life thought I was insane. I'll actually never forget when I told my sister that I was mad as can be, and I told her, I'm running for U.S. Congress. Well, I have a very direct family, as you probably can imagine, and my sister, I'll never forget her response. You know what she said to me? Called and told her about this huge thing I was doing. You know what she said? You're not even qualified. (laughs) That's what she said. But I start running. Now, I do have impulse control problems, but when I go in on something, I go all in on something. And so I came from, I mean, no one knew me from Adam because I'd never been involved politically, especially locally there. I wasn't even from the area. I'd practically just gotten there. But I start showing up 
at every single event that is public at all. If there's a county fair, I'm down there. If there's a Lions Club meeting, I'm down there. If there's a local Republican meeting, I'm there. I'm getting up, giving these two-minute speeches, and I'm, I'm fi- I get fired up. As you know, I get fired up. And I was really mad at the time, so I was giving these fire and brimstone speeches. And it starts to get some popularity locally. Fast forward to the end, I ended up winning the primary. We're going to set that aside. We'll get to that as part of the story. But I give these fire and brimstone speeches. But still, all the local powers that be, you know, this precinct committee man and, the, and the, this local this state senator here and this guy, all the local people who hold the levers of power, they're always looking at you and saying, who is this guy? I don't know this guy. People only people trust what they're familiar with. They don't know me. They didn't know me from Adam. They didn't know me from Adam. So I'm trying to, while I'm getting my face out there and giving a bunch of speeches and such, I'm also trying to gain legitimacy. I'm trying to gain some legitimacy. Part of the way, one of the ways you gain legitimacy when you're a new candidate running for any office, any office is endorsements. Now, in general, once you're known endorsements don't mean that much. You see stuff about that all the time. Chris Christie endorses this person. Bill de Blasio endorses this person. Joe Biden endorses Donald Trump. You see them all the time. It doesn't mean that much, but when you're just starting out, an endorsement means a lot. It's huge. It, It gives you an air of legitimacy. Well, I got to know, and this is all coming to Mike Pence. Just hang with me. This is my story about Mike Pence. I got to know a congressman from California by the name of Duncan Hunter, senior. Duncan Hunter, senior, not junior, senior. He had been the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee. There was a super powerful committee, and he heard there was this young Marine running for Congress. Decides he's going to start helping me out, at least introduce me to a couple people. He introduces me to the great man, Congressman Trent Franks. He was a congressman out of Arizona. Now, pause there. Part of running for office, a huge part of it, no matter what office it is, is raising money. Raising money. You need to raise money. Part of raising money when you're running for Congress means flying back to Washington, D.C. Go shake hands with this congressman and that congressman. See if he'll give you some money because they all have money. They all have these these federal funds, campaign campaign funds where they can send you their money. So I fly back to Washington, D.C. I sit down with Congressman Trent Franks. And he decides he's going to back me, and it was awesome. He endorses me, and he says, I'll tell you what. Let me introduce you to my good friend, Mike Pence. And I'll tell you what happened next. Next. Jesse Kelly show and I'm in the middle of telling my story about Mike Pence. I'm not going to go into what the conversation I just had to have with Chris during the break. Of course, he needs blinds in his house, but if uh, no, you're going to find this shocking. He doesn't want to buy them. Right. So, so I'm sure he'll probably be digging scrap wood out of the ditches to make blinds or something. Anything to save a buck, Chris, but back to my story, back to my story. If you missed the beginning of it, I ain't going to recap it. It's all on iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, all of it, all of it. I fly to D.C. I meet Congressman Trent Franks. Good man. Good man. Shake his hand. We get to know each other real well. He decides he's going to endorse me. That's a big day. All right, I got this congressman. I got an elected person to endorse me. This is awesome. Isn't this cool? Says he's going to introduce me to Mike Pence. He and Mike Pence were close personal friends. Now, Mike Pence at the time, he was the third highest ranking Republican in all of the House of Representatives. It was a big deal. Getting to meet him was a big deal. Now, I don't get starstruck, but 
I really needed his support. I really needed his endorsement. So my, I had my campaign manager buddy with me, and we're thinking the whole time, we've just got to ask for the endorsement. We have no choice. We've got to ask for it. He'll probably say no. I mean, he's this big shop. We've got to ask. You don't need meeting him if you don't ask. Congressman Trent Franks walks me up to Congressman Mike Pence, puts a hand in mine, and introduces himself. I introduce myself. And Congressman Franks says, hey, this is Jesse Kelly, good man, Marine. I forget exactly what he was saying. Marine, running for Congress out of Arizona. I've already endorsed him. I support him completely. Mike Pence looks me right in the eye and tells me, well, I mean, if he's endorsing you, you can have my endorsement if you want it. I didn't even have to ask. The third highest ranking Republican in Congress just offered me. This is a huge moment. We went out and we celebrated that night. We had a couple cocktails. We had a steak. It was that big of a deal because immediately the press people, our press guy, puts out a statement to all the local newspapers. Jesse Kelly, endorsed by Mike Pence, gets you in the papers, gives you legitimacy. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's a great moment. Of course, we throw it right up on the website, endorsed by Mike Pence. It's a big, it's a big moment in the campaign. Now, fast forward just a little bit. During that time in the race when I got the endorsement, it didn't look like anything was going to happen during that year. But Barack Obama had just been elected, and then he passes Obamacare, and the country's enraged about it. The country's enraged about it. And it starts to look like there's about to be a red wave. And I was in a blue district, but kind of purple. The congresswoman was Gabrielle Giffords, powerful fundraiser. She was popular, so it wasn't thought that she could be beaten originally. Now it looks like everyone's too mad at Obama. Let's beat her. So what do you think happened when the waters got warm? All of a sudden, this race, no one else wanted to jump in. Everyone wanted to jump in, and the establishment Republican Party decided they didn't like me because I didn't follow orders all that well. There's a rumor I disrespected a U.S. senator that is false out there. We're not going to go into that right now. It is false, Chris. There's a rumor I disrespected him to his face. I'm not saying that's true. I'm not saying that's true, but... I wasn't exactly someone who played ball with these people who thought they were powerful. So they decided to back a state senator, a state senator from Arizona. He was going to be their boy. And not only did they decide they were going to back him, I had been running for, shoot, I don't remember the number, four, five, six months, and I'd probably raised three or $400,000, which is not a lot. But that was considered good because no one had ever heard of me. They not only decided to throw this state senator in the primary against me, They raised him half a million dollars on the first night. They had one party with all these rich people and raised him half a million dollars on the first night. He's, of course, everybody's boy now. Everyone, every every elected Republican's boy. All of a sudden, my campaign starts getting phone calls from Mike Pence's office saying, why does Jesse have an endorsement from Mike Pence on his, on his website. That never happened. To which we responded immediately, uh, we actually have a picture of Mike Pence with Jesse, and yes, it did happen. And they responded back, doubling down and saying, not only did Mike Pence never even endorse Jesse, Mike Pence has never even met Jesse. I met him surrounded by about 50 people. Like I said, there was a picture too. They continued to call until I removed Mike Pence's endorsement off the website, claiming he'd never even met me. 
Why did that happen? I don't understand, Jesse. Where's this going? Uh, Let me tell you why it happened. Because it was thought that that state senator was going to beat me in the primary. I mean, all the powers that be said he was, right? I mean, he's got all this funding. He's an established guy. He's a state senator. He's very important. They all thought he was going to beat me. And Mike Pence didn't be on the didn't want to be on the wrong end of a congressman from Arizona. You see, you keep power in the House by having other congressmen backing you. Mike Pence liked that power a lot. He liked being the third ranking member in the House of Representatives. He liked it so much he was willing to go back on his word without a second thought the second some big shot state senator gets in the race. Oh, it should be noted, just so you know the end of the story, I went on to pound that state senator into dust in the primary. I think I beat him by like seven points. It was over a half hour into the night when the votes started coming in. I destroyed everybody. And it should also be known, oh, I walked back into Mike Pence's office after that was done. And look, I guess I should say to his credit, he apologized and said he was wrong. But I get people texting me. I get people emailing me a lot. Mike Pence this and Mike Pence that. What do you think about Mike Pence? I don't know that I'm the one to ask because I have this thing. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm probably wrong. I'm probably a bad person here. But I do have this thing. And maybe this is a Marine Corps thing. It probably is a Marine Corps thing because I've been in combat. And I, and I, it's just maybe, maybe it's that. If you're somebody who stays with me, When the chips are down, I never forget it. I am yours for life. I will never leave you behind. I will never forsake you. I don't care how bad you screw up, how things go. I remember always people who were with me when the chips were down. But there's a flip side to that. I am actually a very forgiving person. I don't walk around with grudges. Life's too short for that. Laugh, blow it off. It's fine. However, there's a little caveat to that. I never, ever, ever forget when somebody got out of my fighting hole when I was being charged and ran the other direction. I will never forget it. I don't know that I am even qualified because of that story. I don't know that I am even qualified to speak about Mike Pence on the show because that personal feeling there that I have will never go away. What, Chris? Chris just said he abandoned me when it mattered most. Shouldn't it tell everyone everything they need to know? Well, it tells me that. That's why I don't think I'm qualified about it. I'll never that when I see him, even when Trump picked him, I hated it. I lost my mind because that's all I can picture. And it doesn't matter any other good things he does or whatnot. And then, again, this is probably my own personal flaw. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three is the number. Maybe maybe you can tell me it is my personal flaw. Maybe this is a personal flaw. Maybe this is something wrong with me. But when people bring up Pence to me, Pence, Pence in 2024, what do you think about Pence? What, do you like Mike Pence? I loathe Mike Pence, and I always will. And I just told you the reason why. Maybe that makes me petty. Maybe it makes me small. I don't know what that makes me. I don't know. And it, look, whatever it is, it's probably not good. Whatever it is, it's probably nothing good. But it is how I feel, and I feel it all the way. I like people who stay with others when the chips are down. I mean, how often do I talk to you about uh, Mike Lindell in my pillow? 
You realize when Mike Lindell, when he was going off about all that election stuff and saying this is wrong, something's wrong, that was at a time when even so many voices on the right were saying, oh, shut up, all election's over, don't talk about it anymore, you're crazy, Mike. And yet Mike Lindell kept going and kept going and kept going because he believed that much in doing what was right and swimming against the tide. So when I bring up things to you like like their huge sale on my pillow right now, the original my pillow that was 6998 now 1998, it's not just because I love the Dagon pillow and you know I do. I, everyone does. Who doesn't love a my pillow? I believe in putting my morals, putting my money where my morals are. Mike Mike Lindell is somebody who stays with you when the chips are down. That doesn't mean something to me. That means everything to me. Go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code JESSE, go get the greatest pillow around for $19.98 and get one for your spouse too. MyPillow.com, promo code JESSE. Enjoy. You're listening to the Oracle. You're going to love this one. It's a scream, baby. The Jesse Kelly Show. I found the simple it is the Jesse Kelly show and Chris just asked me coming back in. He said, you don't like any Van Halen, even this one. This is their best song. No, no, you don't understand. I know that's their best song and it still sucks. So that should give you all the answers you need, Chris. <laughs> so Joe Biden, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to read off of a teleprompter before. Well, I've had once or twice, I prefer no teleprompter, like my TV show. By the way, Jim Jordan's on my TV show on the first night. My TV show is on 9 p.m. Eastern every night on the first TV. Got Jim Jordan on to talk about Merrick Garland. So on my TV show, they have offered me, when I renewed my contract, a teleprompter. And you know what a teleprompter is. It sits right there, and someone else writes down a bunch of words for you to read. I prefer just to do everything off the cuff. I don't even really prepare for the radio show. I just do it off the cuff. But I have read off them before, and you do have to be with it enough to know the things you're supposed to read and the things you're not supposed to read. A lot of innovation. Because of the actions we've taken, things have begun to change. End of quote. In the past three weeks. <laughs> End of quote. <laughs> God. All right. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Don't forget, we got Michael Ballas coming up about forty minutes from now. Marianne in North Carolina, go. Oh uh, yes, I'd just like to say um, we're having a lot of problems, and I don't think bad about you, Mr. Kelly. I think you always stand up for the little people. So I wanted to tell you about something that happened to me on Friday. I went to the bus station to take the bus to go get some food from the church. I was carrying two suitcases. A man came up to me. I recognized him. Uh, I know he's homeless. He told me uh, that he needed gloves. I had an extra pair of gloves. He said he needed food. I gave him all the food I had. He said he needed uh, a way to get to the clinic. So I gave him a bus pass for $30, 30-day pass. And then he said, you need to give me your coat. So he, he forced me to take off my coat at the bus station. Um, so I'm all in favor of helping people. But I told him, you know, I really needed that. He said, no, I need it. So you have to give it to me. So I've had a lot of things happen to me like that recently. Um, a man who said he'd been hired as a chef in the International House of Pancakes on November 3rd. He uh, said he needed $46 for food. I said I could give him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He said no. He flagged down another man blocking my movement so I couldn't walk home off the, coming off the bus. 
and he tried to prostitute me for $10 with the money that he borrowed from the other man. Also had another incident like that happen in the uh, coming home from Dad's grave on Veterans Day, right before Veterans Day, and a man tried to force me in his car. And this man had to be like 60 years old. I was like, he's did he also hold on, hold on? Did he also work at IHOP? No, I don't. Okay. He came out of McDonald's. I want to make sure if we were. I want to make sure we weren't having a problem. Go ahead, please. Yeah. So I just wanted to tell you, standing up for the little people, and I don't mean people are small in height, but people are small in stature. I guess this is just a free for all, and people think they can just. Appreciate the phone call, Marianne. Big John and was in uh, Spokane, Washington. Go ahead, bud. Yeah, I'm the Air Force guy. You like giving a hard time. Uh, to me. Yeah, that whole thing with Pence. <laughs> the whole thing with Pence is because he lacks honor. Yeah. Honor. I will break your heart. I will break your car. I'll break your water heater, but I will never break my word. I appreciate it, John. Appreciate it. Semper Fi, my brother. No, you're pr- that's, that's probably is it. It, it. Look, I'm glad people enjoyed my Mike Pence story in case you don't know what they're talking about. Uh, you're going to have to download the podcast. I'm not telling the whole thing. It took me about 20 minutes to tell that story. I just got done telling it. Uh, I heart Google, Spotify, and iTunes. I get asked all the time what people think about Mike Pence. What do you think about Mike Pence? What do you think about Pence this? I have had a very personal dealing with Mike Pence before. Very, very, very personal. And that personal dealing with him has stained that for me forever. But I, I do want to make one more point here, one more point. about. Uh, I opened up the show. I, I was upset because a young man... Uh, eight-year-old boy died in Waukesha. He had been, they were working on him and he ended up dying. So I do want to reiterate, rhetoric matters. Rhetoric matters. We've played for you the compilation a whole bunch. We're not going to play it again about all that. Kyle Rittenhouse, he's a white supremacist, white supremacy, it's white supremacist. Can you believe this white supremacy stuff? Rhetoric matters a lot. You can't get on there and lie like that continuously and then wash your hands of it when some nut job goes out and does something crazy. Does something crazy. I, and you know how loose I am behind the microphone here, how much fun we have and and whatnot. You know that. But I can't get on here and basically tell people to go hurt somebody, even if even if that was legal, which it's not, I shouldn't. I have a moral obligation not to because I don't know if there's some half-crazed wingnut out there with an SUV who may go aim it at people. There is a price to pay for what these people have done. This rhetoric, Nazi white supremacist, Nazi white supremacist, Nazi white supremacist, comes with a cost. It comes with a high cost, a really high cost. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. All right. Leanne in Colorado, go. Hi. Uh, First of all, my heart goes out to the family in Wisconsin with their 8-year-old son, and I know their 12-year-old son is in critical condition. They're in our prayers. Yes, ma'am. But I also wanted to discuss the upcoming 2022 election. If things don't change... I'm afraid that the Republicans have lost forever. Nothing's come out of Arizona. Nothing's come out of Georgia. And I don't know why it's quiet. Well, I don't know why it's quiet either. And I won't say, I won't say 
nothing has come out of Arizona. Nothing has come out of Georgia. We've had audits and such where we've had information. Now, have we had wholesale changes to make sure that the cheating stops? No, we haven't. But oftentimes, listen, oftentimes it is enough to make them, just to let them know you're watching. Letting them know you're watching oftentimes is enough. No, I'm not saying we've done enough. We haven't. We have a lot more to do. But that's all we have for now, okay? All right, it's time for two things. One, I know you like history. We're going to talk about a Thomas Jefferson statue coming down, and we're going to talk a little bit of history. It actually takes us clear back to China. That's one. Two, I'm going to say something, and you're going to hate me for it. Well, a lot of people are going to hate me for it, but I'm right. Hang on. Jesse Kelly show and it is time. I mean, I have I have a history thing I need to do and understanding communists today and I have a everyone's going to hate me thing and I was debating right before the segment came on which way which which direction to go here on the Jesse Kelly show and here's what I'm going to do. It's brilliant, Chris. Pay attention because you're so stupid and I'm trying to make you smarter. What? Well, that's not offensive. Anyway, you give people bad news first. That way they automatically think you're a bad person. Then you tell them something good and you've come out of such a hole that really you're just back where you started, but they think you're a better person. No, this works all the time, Chris. It works all the this this works foolproof. So let's look, you're about to see me do it in front of a national audience. All right? Watch. All right. The headline is Morgan Stanley boss to young bankers. You're nuts if you're not in the office. You see, I'm just going to set this aside because this is not about Morgan Stanley or anything else. We have entered into a different era. COVID really, really ramped this era up. It really sped it along, the idiotic COVID lockdowns. We've entered an era where everything is so automated. Everything is so online. People, many people... They don't have to go into a job anymore. And it's not just employees. Employers are discovering rapidly. I don't have to have everyone here. I, I, I know several gigantic corporations. I mean, corporations with more money than Fort Knox are actually reducing their office space around the country as we speak because they, because of coronavirus, have, quote, realized Oh, we don't have to have 50,000 square feet of office space. We can run it with 10,000 square feet of office space, significantly reduce our overhead, and get the production out of people. They can just work from home. But I'm not talking about the mega corporations. I'm talking about you. And I'm talking about me. I know you're going to be upset about this. I get it. Totally warranted. Nobody likes the guy who tells them a hard truth. You need to put on your work clothes and you need to go to work. You need to physically remove yourself from your home, get in a vehicle, and go to work. And obviously it goes without saying this doesn't apply to people who have to take care of kids and parents. And I, I, I get all that. So don't do the thing 
where you pretend to be offended. I'm a stay-at-home mom. How about, I don't care that you're a stay-at-home mom. It means nothing to me. I don't care. Remember, I don't care that you're offended. If it's an option for you, especially young people, older people may be able to get away with this. I mean, people who've been on the job at a specific career for a while, but especially younger people. I don't care whether you're 15, 16 at your first job, 25, 30 years old, get your butt into the office. I know, I know you're allowed to work from home. The boss told me I could. I, I, oh, I get it. I get it. The boss, believe it or not, the boss is going to tell you you can do lots of things you actually shouldn't do. But we're going to set that aside from now. I know the boss told you you can work from home. Believe me when I tell you he has a bunch of insurance reasons behind that, HR reasons. They're all worried about COVID liability if you come to work and get sick. He has a lot of reasons why you're, quote, allowed to stay home. It is important for you. I'm not worried about him. It is important for you to take a shower, put on your business attire, whatever that business may be. I don't care whether you're turning wrenches at Jiffy Lube or whether you're in some big law firm. I don't care what it is. Take a shower, put on your business attire, and get your butt into work so your boss can see you and speak to you face-to-face, eye-to-eye. No, your Zoom call is not the same. I know people think it is. Believe me when I tell you, human beings were created for person-to-person contact. Look, that's why Kamala was created. No, quit, Chris, stop. No, we're not going to get sidetracked here. Human beings were created for person-to-person contact. It is important for you and your boss to be at work together. He needs to see you hunched over your desk. He needs to see you turning wrenches. He needs to see you doing whatever you're doing. He needs to, on occasion, have a passing something to you that may not be about work and may make all the difference in the world. Do you think he's going to make that special Zoom call to you at home? I know you're I know you're young and ambitious. I know you want to get ahead. Do you think he's going to make that special Zoom call to you at home? Hey, be on at 4:15 so I can ask you if you play golf. Of course not. But he's going to ask you if you're sitting there at the desk. Oh, wouldn't you know it? Oh, someone, he was in a foursome this, this Saturday. He was supposed to play golf in a foursome this Saturday. Chris, a golf foursome. Good grief. He was supposed to be in a foursome this Saturday. One of his buddies just canceled last minute. Ah, this course is not going to let us on unless we have a fourth. Hey, uh, Bill, Bill, I see you over there. Do you golf? I need a fourth on Saturday. There's your next promotion around a golf with the boss on Saturday. I know that sounds old fogeyish. I know it sounds old school. Believe me when I tell you it's critical. Critical. I know you're in sales. And you can just do that sales call over Zoom. I got my jammies on. I don't want to turn off Netflix. I know life is easier when you never have to leave the house. For your own sake, get up and clean yourself up. And leave the house. You know, 
You know, they're building us a, a studio since I signed, obviously, with Premier, and the Premier is freaking huge and awesome, and they're, they're just taking good care of us. They're building us a new TV and radio studio. And do you know that all I would have had to do was ask, and they would have built all of that right in my home? Think how nice that would have been, right? I mean, how nice does that sound? Jeez, Jesse, you're crazy. Get up. Shoot, I'd be talking to you right now in my sweats. I'd be wearing sweats and a wife beater with a big old Doritos stain on the front of it. You know, just total white trash it out. I could. I could have. You know what would have suffered? The show. The show. You know what I have here? I have microphones. I have Chris. I have Michael. I have news articles in front of me. I have sound bites. I have... I have a work environment that has me ready to sit down and do a show because I'm not at home. I'm not sitting right next to a fridge that may or may not have Totino's pizza rolls in it. I'm not sitting right next to my pajamas, a comfortable chair. Oh, the wife's downstairs. I think I'll go see her during the breaks. I know it sounds nice, but hear me out. If it is at all, at all an option for you, Go to work. I know traffic sucks. I know. Believe me, I, I drive in it every day too. I wish that someone had invented some way for me to teleport to work. They have not. I'm in traffic yelling at the same idiot drivers driving too slow in the left lane that you're driving at. I know. I know traffic sucks. I know it sucks not being able to screw off now and then. Believe me, I know. When you're at work, how are you supposed to take that 15-minute break and just go throw the ball with your dog in the yard? I know that sucks. Believe me when I tell you, especially when you're on the younger end and you're trying to make it to the top end of whatever that field is. Again, I don't care what that field is. I don't care if you're selling RVs, construction, management, own your own. I don't care what the field is, especially if you're in the younger end trying to make a name for yourself and make it right now when every other person in the country who's in your age group is taking advantage of, I'll work home in jammies. You're the guy or you're the girl who shows up every day. Hey, do you you think your boss isn't going to know? Hey, man, do you know our entire, you know, our entire HR department has stayed home every day for the last six months, except for Sarah. I cannot believe Sarah Sarah still shows up to work every day. You think they're not going to talk about that when that next promotional opportunity comes up? You think they're not going to consider that when they're handing out Christmas bonuses? They are. I promise you they are. There. That was old fuddy-duddy Jesse. See, Chris, every once in a while, it pays to have a dad who is a little harsh and a total, total business guy. Because if I had ever told my dad, Dad, I'm, I'm going to stay home. Uh, they're letting me. You see, the office is allowing it because of coronavirus. I would worry, honestly, legitimately, that he would be flying down here at my age just to bop me upside the head and say, get your lazy butt into work. Are you going to be some loser your whole life? And everybody needs a dad like that. Everybody. There. Just helped everyone out. Now, hear me out here. I've thrown away enough money at bad companies, so I'm not judging you. I've, look, I've talked to you before about TV subscriptions I've had to cancel, uh, sports leagues I've been obsessed with and now I won't watch anymore, but I've supported them. I'm tossing my money at people who hate me, so there's no judgment here. But if you still have AT&T or Verizon or T-Mobile, I mean, Pure Talking is making it so you're running out of excuses. 
because Pure Talk makes it total cake to switch over. And I mean total, total cake. It's all done over the phone and the mail, and it's easy. Their customer service is based in America. You talk to an American. You save a fortune. The average family saves over $800 a year, and their CEO is a Vietnam veteran. Save some money. Go with a company that doesn't hate you and your values. Put your money where your morals are. Dial pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly, and that'll actually save you 50% off your first month. That's pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. We got the anarchist, the show favorite Michael Malice coming up about 10 minutes from now. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, oh. And before I forget, we have former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich on my television show tonight. Remember, I have a TV show on the first TV every single night at 9 o'clock Eastern. So 9 o'clock Eastern, go enjoy. Newt is a sharp, sharp dude. Now. I was already old fuddy-duddy once. Let's talk about politics for a minute. I'm going to get to these statues of Thomas Jefferson, and and, uh, we're going to do a little Chinese history and whatnot. Just hang on a minute. But let me be old fuddy-duddy one more time during the show. And this definitely comes to politics and business world and everything else. There is a brand out there called Heaven Hill Brand. And they actually make a Rittenhouse rye. Booze. It's just booze, right? A bunch of people apparently were buying Rittenhouse rye in the wake of the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict to celebrate. That's good. Fine. Whatever. Good. Fine. Good. Good for them. Okay. Heaven Hill brand decided to make a public statement and this was their public statement and pay attention because this is going to apply to everybody, not political, not just whiskey drinkers, not just, this is going to apply to everyone. We have been disheartened to learn that some individuals and businesses have been using our Rittenhouse straight rye whiskey brand to celebrate the Kyle Rittenhouse case verdict despite the profound loss of life from those events. There is no link between our Rittenhouse rye brand, which was started post-prohibition, so on. It doesn't, look, I'm not even going to read the rest of it because it doesn't matter. There is something that is very difficult for people to do. It's very difficult for me to do. Maybe hard for you, maybe not, depending on how you're, how you're built. But this is one of the most treasured skills in this life. And when you think about so many successful people out there, there are so many successful people in all walks of life, and this is one of the main skills they've mastered. And here's what's so crazy about it. It's one of those things anyone can do and very few choose to do it. And if you were to choose to do it in your life, you, it's unquantifiable how much more success you'd have. You know what you want to know what that thing is? You want to know what that skill is? It's pretty wild. Shut up. Stop talking. I will never understand this human need to talk. You make whiskey. Some people were drinking some whiskey that happened to be called Rittenhouse. No one was really destroying you for it. If anything, business was up. I mean, honestly, I could I could have seen myself if I'd gone to the store last night. Oh, Rittenhouse whiskey. That'd be funny. I'll buy that. Put a picture. I, like, I may have given you a sale. 
Instead, you had to say something. Now, now you've made enemies. Now I'm looking at, they're getting destroyed online by people on the right. I'll never buy again. What are you talking about? Why did you do this? I loved you. And now you had to open your mouth. Why did you do that? Why do people feel the need to do this? And here's what's crazy about it. It's, it goes completely across the socioeconomic spectrum, religion spectrum, race spectrum. Everybody, fr- look, at least a 10-year-old girl, you'd understand how she, she can't shut her mouth. But Fortune 500 CEOs can't just shut up. Stop talking. You, I remember, speaking of Tucker Carlson, we... I had to fly up there once to go hang out with him for a little bit, and I did a long interview on one of his uh, one of his shows. And Tucker and I were sitting down, and I remember I don't remember if this was on camera or off, but he knows about my very not traditional background for radio, and he knows I used to sell RVs. And he asked, he said, "What's the best advice you give?" Because I was a sales manager eventually. What's the best advice you give to new salesmen to to sell? Not just RVs, anything. And a lot of people were in sales. And I said, "Shut up." It's the same advice I give to people when they go interview for a job. People get ready to go interview for your job, and you think you're going to talk your way into the job. So what happens is you program all these things in your mind you think the person wants to hear, when really you should go in, be polite, well-mannered, look him in the eyes, and shut your freaking mouth and listen to what he's interested in. Maybe he doesn't care about your college classes. Maybe he wants to talk about uh, the Yankees. Maybe he wants to talk about your parents. Maybe you guys have some connection somehow. How would you know? You won't shut up. Uh, sales are the same. RV, uh, realtors. Uh, my email will be full. Realtors tomorrow. Everyone in sales will be full of it. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Every good salesperson will fill up my inbox tomorrow. People talk their way out of sales all the time. Just shut your mouth and listen to what they want. And then go find it for them. It's really not more complicated than that. And these huge brands, I see these major corporations think they have to respond. Oh, there's a controversy. You don't understand. 25 nerds are, 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 are sending us nasty messages on Twitter. We, we better get on this. Some, some, some guy with an 800 BMI is very worried about. Who cares? Give them 24 hours. They'll all be bored and move on. Shut up. Stop talking. All right. There. That's old fuddy-duddy version number two, Chris. Gosh, I'm just my dad tonight. <laughs> All right. We are going to talk to Kai uh, or to uh, Michael Malice next. We are. But I want to play this cut one more time from Kyle Rittenhouse on Tucker Carlson's show. Yikes, Joe Biden. What did you make of the president of the United States calling you a white supremacist? Mr. President, if I could say one thing to you, I would urge you to go back and watch the trial and understand the facts before you make a statement. That's not a small thing to be called that. No, it's it's actual malice defaming my character for him to say something like that. Malice defaming my character. Do you know who talks like that, Joe? Joe Biden? I'll tell you who talks like that. Somebody who already has an army of bloodthirsty attorneys around him, and they are prepping the battlefield, if you will, and they're going to be coming for heads, and they should come for heads. Now, granted, again, I'm glad Kyle did the interview. I hope he now retires to the wilderness somewhere with a fishing pole in his hands 
and go just be away from this for a while, let the lawyers do their lawyer thing. But man, oh man, some people are about to get sued and they're about to get sued for a lot of money. And you know what? They should. There must be a price to pay. There must be a cost to accusing somebody of the things they've accused that young man of. There must be a cost. All right. The anarchist Michael Malice joins us next. I hate him so much. Joining me now is Michael Malice. He's the host of Your Welcome. Why do you do this? Every- Why do you have to do this, Michael? Because you're weak and I'm strong, so I keep you in your place. <laughs> on your own show. This is me peeing on your house and making you watch. <laughs> you know, you're a bad person, Michael. You're, all right. Yeah, but I'm also in charge. Okay. All right. Look, I'll just look. I'll just let it go. I'll just let it go from now. You had something. Uh, I I know this is rarity for you, but you had something I thought was pretty brilliant to say last <laughs> night when you were talking about conspiracy theories and and yeah. conspiracy this theory this and why do they call it a conspiracy theory, Michael? Uh, it's a very useful mechanism when people are in charge that if you throw out the term conspiracy theory, that means any questioning of their motives or allegiances can be dismissed without a discussion. And if you tell anyone, anyone, no matter who they are on the political spectrum, that international elites have more allegiance to each other and to their power than to the countries in which they happen to have been from or where they reside, no one's going to disagree with that. That's a conspiracy. Okay, you're right. They don't. They obviously do now. It's pain. It's painfully obvious to anyone paying attention that they are not loyal. The people who run this country, they're not loyal to America. And other Western nations are certainly going through this too. Now, here's what I struggle with, Michael. The leaders of China, I'm sure they're all fabulously wealthy and terrible, mm-hmm. selfish people, but they do appear at least to be extremely loyal to China and interested in making China move forward. Why are they and we're not? Because their only capacity to power is to maintain a powerful Chinese government. Uh, if, a, if a president gets out of office, if a senator leaves, he gets to be a lobbyist. He gets to be some kind of secretary, secretary of transportation. So the incentives are completely different for someone in a totalitarian country where there's only one path to power, as opposed to someone in Western countries where there's that revolving door between Hollywood and D.C. and the media elites. Okay, where did we screw up in the re- in the West, Michael? Clearly, clearly we messed something up. Go ahead. The Constitution? Oh, the Constitution? oh please, fire yeah. away. Because we have the Articles of Confederation, which worked the way the Constitution was supposed to work in the sense of it being an effective bulwark on the federal government. And we learn about in schools in one sentence when we're taught, well, we had the Articles of Confederation, but no one could get together and do anything. Yeah, that was the whole point of the Articles of Confederation. <laughs> and the guys in Philadelphia got together uh, secretly, threw it in the garbage and say, we're going to seize more power for ourselves. And that was another conspiracy, but it's a conspiracy that we happen to like. <sighs> See, this is why you love having Malice on the show, because he actually says things. And explain to me why you do this, because most people will not. You say things that are not the party line. They make people uncomfortable. There's no doubt, well, I have your fans who always listen when you're on and request you coming back. There's no doubt I'll have hate mail for that tomorrow. And I love that. You know, it doesn't bother me at all. But why do that? I do that. Why do you? 
because conservatives, which make up the vast majority of your audience, are under the delusion that the only two choices are Mitch McConnell and AOC. And that is a complete lie that both Mitch McConnell and AOC would like conservatives to believe. And I'm here to tell them that they've been lied to for decades and that their version of American history is as much of a delusion as the 1619 Project. Our elites weren't always anti-American, though. No, I'm not here to act like that uh, Rockefeller was Audie Murphy. I'm not saying that, but they did at least appear to be fairly patriotic individuals. So how did we screw this up? When did we lose that? Uh, that's a very good question. I think it happened a lot, starting with what, like after World War II? Mm-hmm, yeah. After World War II, when very heavily America was restoring uh, Europe through the Marshall Plan, and we got the idea in our stupid heads that we have to have military base everywhere on Earth and kind of inform this Pax Americana, especially against the Soviet Union, which no longer exists, of course. And that consequence of America being the world creator uh, after beating Hitler in conjunction with Stalin, that's never gone away. And it has to go away immediately. Speaking with Michael Malice, host of You're Welcome. Michael, did we succeed or did we fail when it comes to taking on the communist Soviet Union? We succeeded, and we succeeded gloriously, and that is the subject of my next book, and you are going to be giddy when you read it, because we won and we did it without having to fire a shot, unlike those bloody, as Bob Dole called them, Democrat wars of the 20th century. Michael Malice, explain this to me. Joe Biden is, I understand he's a self, self, <laughs> self-interested individual, and let's just, when I say Joe Biden, I'm talking about the people around him. I know he's not a functional adult. He does, however, like being president. These people like being in their positions of power. And yet, no matter what they do, they can't force themselves to do anything remotely popular. Why? Because the feedback mechanisms in the White House are completely detached from reality. Uh, They were, you know, I'm very much hoping, and I'm sure you're hoping as well, that Joe Biden comes out and denounces Kyle Rittenhouse and doubles down, because that would be the most effective way to turn middle America uh, from him and from, more importantly, his cronies in the corporate press. They're not, if if they just went, spent five minutes on Twitter reading the accounts of people who disagree with them, they'd have a much better understanding of what the um, opposition is in America to their principles and their values. But even that is beyond them. Okay. Uh, because they're so up their own butt and they think their opponent is like Jonah Goldberg. Okay, so why don't they, though? I mean, I don't know. I, I know you do this as well. I do this as well. I'm painfully aware, aware of what my enemies think of me. I'm aware of how they think about issues. I know exactly how these people think, specifically so I can defeat them. They don't feel the need to do that to us? No, because they're destined to rule in their own minds. They've been taught this in their, in their colleges, and they're reinforced this by their peer group. So there's no reason for me to waste my time from their perspective on people who are stupid and beneath me, who might be kind of an annoyance, but are not going to interfere with my divine right to rule over this country. Washington statues are going to come down. Jefferson statues have come down. Why was the GOP, who I know you're more than happy to rip on, as am I, why were they so willing to start changing the name of military bases in the wake of all that rage last year when it was obvious to anyone paying attention at all this had nothing to do with the Confederacy? Um, 
I, I mean, the, you're using the word obviously a little incorrectly. Okay. If you're a creature of Washington and all your colleagues are creatures of Washington and you're reading all the newspapers and they're framing in the sense that this is only being fair and respectful, uh, the, the Republican Party is, is basically, as you and I discussed before, the team that fights the Harlem Globetrotters. Like their role is to ostensibly be on the field, but to lose consistently. And why would I, if I was a Republican senator or congressman, fight for some statue of someone who's dead only to be called a white supremacist by the Washington Times, Washington Post, and New York Times? From my perspective, it's not worth it because I got to fundraise with corporate America, and then they're going to get uh, kind of upset. Why are you giving money to white supremacists? So this works out perfectly for everybody, as as, as the extent of the statues in our history. Did we mess up with the freedom of the press thing? I think about Rittenhouse and the pound of flesh he deserves versus the one he'll probably get. I know the freedom of the press is better than a state-run media, but did we mess something up in there somewhere along the way? No, no, no. Uh, their, their days are numbered. As you've seen, I'm sure there was a Gallup poll that shows support for the press is at a record low. Getting support back in terms of trust is very, very difficult. If you walk in and your spouse cheating, you're never going to be able to unring that bell. And once you see that the corporate press isn't just mistaken, but is consistently lying all the time for a long period of time, you can't unring that bell and go back. And this is why we're going to win, because thankfully people are realizing Biden's not the enemy, Mitch McConnell's not the enemy, Nancy Pelosi's not the enemy. It's the New York Times and Harvard and Yale. He is Michael Malice. He is the host of Your Welcome, which I obviously would highly recommend. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your listeners. Take care, Jesse. You too. Dude is just sharp. Dude is just sharp. Always so sharp. I love having him on the show. All right. Sometimes, do you ever talk to somebody and you say to yourself, wow, they have they have a real base of knowledge on what they believe and I feel like anything I throw at them, they would be able to handle and process it because they have the right belief system. You ever deal with someone like that? I've, I've dealt with people like that before. You'll find out those people were often educated correctly as a young child. When I tell you to get the Tuttle Twins books, go get the Tuttle Twins books. Your toddler can read these books and will be entertained. And they have different versions for older kids as well, all the way up to teenagers. You will read these books and be informed and entertained. You want to learn about communism, freedom, the golden rule? You want to learn about family? Go to TuttleTwinsJesse.com and that gets you 35% off. TuttleTwinsJesse.com. You want a good base of knowledge? You want your child to have that so they can handle what this world's going to throw at them? TuttleTwinsJesse.com. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. Turning me on, turning me off, making me feel it is the Jesse Kelly Show, and it is time to dig into it. Let's let's look. We're about to do we're about to do a little bit of history now. And I think I'm going to do history next segment, too. I like history. I geek out on it sometimes. And the reason I geek out on it is it tells us what we're going through now. Headline, statue of Thomas Jefferson removed from New York City Hall after almost 200 years. Thomas Jefferson, huh? How about that? Do you know why they remove statues? I'll tell you why. Let me tell you a little chat. Pull up a chair. Let's have a little chat about why they remove statues. And remember, remember, 
It has absolutely nothing to do with the Confederacy, slavery, black people, racism, equality. It has nothing to do with that. This is why they remove paintings and statues and change the names of military bases. This is why this has been a concentrated effort by the American communists for some time. Every time you turn around, some new statues being torn down. And of course, you know, they start with a Robert E. Lee, a monster. Of course they do. Why, why did they start there? Why did they start with Robert E. Lee? Or, or anyone, pick your Confederate general. Why? Because they knew that would be the one where you would let them get their foot in the door because you would be too ashamed to fight for it. Oh, I'm not, I, don't, I mean, I don't like that they're tearing down a statue, but I mean, he was, uh, he was a Confederate. I, I guess I'm not going to fight too loud. I don't want to look like a racist, right? I don't want to look like I support slavery. So, okay, just this statue, but nothing else. But why? What's the, what's the reason? What do they get out of that? What does the communist actually get out of tearing down a statue for Thomas Jefferson? Let's rewind to 1966. At this point in time, the communists have had China for quite some time, about 17 years. And Mao, he had initially been the leader of communist China. So he'd been running things for a while. He'd already slaughtered millions and millions and millions of his countrymen. By this point in time, though, he was kind of on the outs. I'm not going to say he was uh, hiding in a cave in the mountains somewhere, but he wasn't really number one. Felt like he had a bunch of people crowding him out. He really didn't, didn't like it. So Mao, well, remember Mao learned from Lenin. Mao learned from Stalin. And Mao decided to crank up something forever known from that point on as the Cultural Revolution. You see, that's not just a word. That's actually something that happened in China in 1966, the Cultural Revolution. But what was it? Well, Mao decided that he needed to organize a campaign. He was going to organize, stop me if any of this sounds familiar, the students, high school and college students in his country thought those would make a prime force for communism. Not that that kind of thing would ever happen here, by the way, but just, just you know, in China, just, just in China. He thought that age group would be primed for revolutionary thought. That age group is generally primed for some kind of struggle, be it good or bad. That's why that age group joins the military. That's why they become communist revolutionaries. They're ready. You know, you're that age. That's the array. Let's get it on, baby. You're ready to fight something. And he decided to pass out something that's called the Little Red Book. You can go look it up. It's a bunch of nonsense. It was a bunch of, bunch of communist ideas, communist thought. Of course, nothing specific. And they went on a campaign against what he called the four olds. The four olds. In case you're wondering what they were, well, they're all basically the same and it doesn't make any sense. I could tell you. I mean, it's old ideas, old culture, old habits, and old customs. Really, just one word would have been fine for all those. So again, where are you going with this? I don't understand. The four olds, what's this have to do with Jefferson? Hang with me for a second. They then went on a murderous rampage through their country because of the four olds. And they began rounding up not only Mao's political opponents, but they began rounding up so many of the people, anyone they could find, who had any major ties to the history of China. Remember, we hate China now, but there's no country with more rich history. I mean, all the way back to the dynasties of old, just stunning history in that country, thousands of years, amazing history. 
and they started destroying it. They would actually go into people's homes, and people would hold, would have books back then about all their ancestors. You know, you could flip back through the pages. Oh, there's great great grandpappy Ming or whatever his name was. You could, I mean, how cool would that be? Your whole family tree. They would find those books. Sometimes they would kill the people. Sometimes they wouldn't. But they burned the books to ash, so they didn't exist anymore. They would go to cemeteries. Kind of weird, right? They go to cemeteries, and they destroy them. They dig up the bodies. They they wreck the tombstones. That doesn't make sense. I don't understand. They would go to, uh, speaking of, actually, I believe, I forget the name of it, and plus it's going to be in Mandarin. I'm not going to be able to say it, but a major figure in the Ming dynasty, speaking of the word Ming, they actually found one of the old sacred tombs of a, a ruler, I believe, and they destroyed it, tossed the bones out. Now, for me, somebody who geeks out on history, that makes me sick to my stomach. You could be looking at that today, but instead they wrecked it. But why? I mean, they tore down the Buddhist temples in a predominantly Buddhist nunch? I I don't understand. They tore down the old paintings. They tore down the old statues. They tore down anything China was. Why? Well, for the exact same reason American communists tear down statues of Thomas Jefferson and Robert E. Lee. You love your home. If a communist showed up at your home and asked to burn it down right now, you'd say no. Unless that communist could figure out a way to make you hate your home, make make you think your home is evil, and then take any connection you have to your home away. No, 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 no. I just thought that I want to burn down your home. Don't you understand that's an evil racist home? And uh, go look. You don't even have family pictures in there. That's not even your home. When they tear down statues, that's the equivalent of them tearing down your family pictures, removing all your personal items from your house. Soon, it's not worth anything, and the communist is then allowed to come in and burn it down. He wants to burn down your history because if he takes away any mooring you have to the history of your country, then he can rebuild it any way he sees fit. You'll never sign on for communism when you love your home, but if he can wreck it, If he can first wreck it, you just might. What history, American? I'm looking around. I don't see any history at all. But you don't even have statues. You don't even have any history in your country. And any history you have is evil and racist. Just let us rebuild it. Remember that the next time some loser suggests changing the name of a military base, because it has a Confederate general on it. These people don't want to destroy the Confederacy. The Confederacy's been destroyed for some time. These people want to destroy you. I'm not done with history just yet. Hang on. A lot of innovation. Because of the actions we've taken, things have begun to change. End of quote. In the past three weeks... Chris, I know we have a long Biden sound list, but him reading off the teleprompter, end of quote, has to be on the short list. It is it is the Jesse Kelly Show. And a reminder for everyone, in case you missed any part of the Jesse Kelly Show, the whole thing's available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating and a review talking about how handsome I am. It's critical, Chris. So I'm going to have Daniel Turner on about 30 minutes from now. In case you don't know him, he's one of these energy expert guys. And I don't mean the idiot experts. I mean, he's an actual energy expert and how it works and how's the power grid work and whatnot. 
because it's all over the news today about Joe Biden releasing 50 million barrels of oil from the Strategic Oil Reserve. And I'm going to give I'm going to get Daniel to give more specifics about the reserve and how much is in it. And I'm, I'll talk to him about all that. But I think it's important to understand something. The Strategic Oil Reserve exists for national emergency situations where we need oil for our national security purposes and we all of a sudden can't get it. It's not difficult to imagine China, Russia, one of these places, if they were to ever declare war in that way, attacking our ability to produce energy. What if they went after our oil plants? It's just common sense. So because that's in the news right now, I thought we should do something I particularly love. Old listeners of the show will know this. I thought we should do a little history rewind. You want to do a little history with me? How's that sound, Chris? You want to do a little history? Let's do a little history. Japan. Japan and us had some pretty nasty conflicts during the course of World War II. And I don't have time to go into all that. I've done a bunch. I'm going to do a bunch more when I start doing history segments again. But let's fast forward towards the end of that conflict. And people know in general about the island hopping campaign. Remember, you can picture Japan. Everyone can picture Japan. Japan, during their huge military expansion period, when they attacked us at Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor, it's easy for me to say, that was only one small part of it. They attacked all kinds of islands surrounding their island. Philippines, I mean, they were everywhere. They were everywhere creating for themselves a gigantic defense ring is essentially what it was. Okay, we're going to hold all these islands, and we're going to hold off America. Or they, they didn't think they could beat us, I should mention. They just wanted to hold us off for long enough that it would be too painful for us to take it back, and we'd simply negotiate a surrender. All right, we're mad. We're mad about Pearl Harbor, but you can keep these islands and just give these others back, and then we're good. We're good. That, that, that's what they wanted. And, and frankly, that's what had always happened, so they assumed that's what was, what was going to happen. They did not quite understand the level of anger and hatred that would rise with bombing us without declaring war first. Americans don't take that sort of thing well, nor should we. So the unconditional surrender thing came. Don't worry, all this is going to tie to the strategic oil reserve. I'm going somewhere. Just hang with me a minute. So we began taking back islands, working our way towards Japan. And it was a violent, bloody affair, incredible naval battles, Uh, That's where the Marine Corps really made their name. Army, actually, as much as this pains me to say it, Army really made, really did well for themselves there, too. It was vicious fighting, but we keep taking these islands back. Eventually, we take back a couple islands. One's called Tulagi. The other one's called Okinawa. Those islands were close to Japan. The idea always was, let's take enough islands back, and when we take islands, let's build an airfield on our islands, because remember, air power is everything. Let's build an airfield on the island, and then that'll allow us to launch planes from here and go bomb wherever the next place is. We take Tulagi, we take Okinawa, Now Japan is in very, very, very deep trouble because what that means is because of the range of our bombers and fighters, 
Now that gave us the ability to launch these gigantic B-29 Super Fortress bombers. They're sweet if you ever check them out. And we could fly, not only fly to Japan, we could fly to Japan with fighter escorts. We could fly there, bomb them, and turn around and fly home. And we started bombing Japan. When you, when you mention us bombing Japan, people all know, oh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. A lot of people don't know we killed twice as many people as those cities in Tokyo. We firebombed 100,000 people to death in Tokyo. And people who do know that, many of them don't realize, I believe the number is over 60, over 60 different cities across Japan were bombed by us. We just started Pounding that country to dust. Pounding them to dust. And as we began pounding Japan, mainland Japan, our planes, our pilots, our air crews started coming back to their bases with some really great news, interesting news, and some really great news. You see, when we would go bomb places, you really want to bomb the military targets first for obvious reasons. Then they can't counterattack you. The first place you really want to bomb is the airfield. Let's go take out the airfield. Then they can't launch planes and, and shoot down our bombers. Our guys started showing up at these airfields to bomb and strafe the planes on the ground. And all the planes were still on the ground. They weren't flying any planes up. We were wiping out what was left of the Japanese Air Force, and we were wiping it out on the ground. No pilots, no planes in the air? What's going on? I know that sounds like a long, boring history story, kind of a weird way to put it, but I do want you to understand that's what it looks like when your country runs out of gasoline. You see, those planes weren't on the ground because Japan didn't want them on the air those planes were on the ground because Japan didn't have any fuel to put in them. I understand the sexy parts of war, the parts they make, the parts they make movies about, bombs and bullets, tough guys, camouflage, fancy gadgets, night vision. I I, I get all that makes it into the movies. Nobody talks about a gallon of gas in the movies, in the war movies. What do you think the United States Air Force runs on? Do you think the United States Air Force runs on AA batteries? Do you think it runs on solar power? The United States Air Force, and again, this really pains me to say, is probably the most critical branch as far as protecting America now. Because so much of technology now has moved combat into long-range missiles, and you launch those not just from naval vessels, from, from planes. You just launch them from planes. If you want the United States of America to remain free from harm, you want it to have an Air Force in the air. The Joe Biden administration, right, right now, they looked, they looked at some bad poll numbers that showed people were upset about how much gas cost. And instead of increasing the supply of oil by simply allowing oil companies to drill for more of it, they chose to tap into the strategic oil reserve, the strategic oil reserve that is supposed to only be tapped into should, say, 
China come wipe out our oil production, and we need to get Air Force jets in the sky to keep Los Angeles from burning. The Joe Biden administration doesn't think about that, though. You see, what have I told you about the three things that the, uh, that the people who lead this country all have in common? They all have the same three things. Everyone knows what it is. What's number one? Well, number two is a disconnect from reality, and three is a belief they should rule over you. But what's number one? No love of country. Oftentimes, hatred of the country, but no love of country at all. You sit down and you tap the strategic oil reserve to try to lower gas prices before Thanksgiving? That's a national security issue. You don't just grab 50 million barrels of oil because, well, hey, Bob, did you see the poll numbers? People are mad about gas. Oh, hey, let's just go down and let's tap the strategic oil reserve. It's just a big pool of oil there, right? I mean, that'll be fun. It'll be funsies. Hey, can we can we do a focus group and see how that polls? Should we poll that? That's how the people who run your country, that's how, that's how they operate. This is your energy secretary. Listen to this person. There are various figures about this, so I'm curious if you know. How many barrels of oil does the U.S. consume per day? I don't have that number in front of me. So some suggest it's about 18 million, which would suggest you're releasing less than three days' worth of supply from the petroleum reserve. What? What? The energy secretary doesn't even know how much we have. No love of country at all. Speaking of love of country, hang on. Hang on. Let's talk about something good. I got to put this out of my mind. I ended up getting myself fired up. I got to put it out of my mind. Have I told you how much I love my pillow products? I'm not going to lie. I don't just tell you about my pillow. My pillow would confirm this if you got a hold of them. I sent off a little bit of an order myself yesterday. I think there were probably 15 items on there. Yes, I know my the my pillow. The original my pillow is a steal of a deal right now. $19.98. It's normally $69.98. Right now it's $19.98. When you go to the mypillow.com, use the promo code Jesse, you get that deal. But they have over 150 other products Giza Dream Sheets and mattress toppers and slippers and more. Believe me when I tell you, there's a deal on a lot of it, and it is all the best quality, and it's all made here in America. Go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code JESSE, and take advantage of the deals. And it's time to get that Christmas shopping done. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code JESSE. Your family will thank you. The Jesse Kelly Show. Various figures about this, so I'm curious if you know how many barrels of oil does the U.S. consume per day? I don't have that number in front of me. So some suggest it's about 18. The U.S. Energy Secretary doesn't know how much oil we consume. What would you say you do here? Chris, we need to get that line from that great movie, Office Space, and just go ahead and put it on the permanent list because it's going to apply to this entire Biden presidency. And people want to know how this happens. That was, of course, Jennifer Granholm, Energy Secretary. How does this happen? How can you have people in hugely important positions and positions of power who have no idea what they're doing? How is that possible? It shouldn't be possible, right? Well, it's perfectly possible when you're not looking for people who know what they're doing. Every appointment has an alternate agenda. Every single one. 
Every single one. If I was hiring somebody to help produce the show, let's say Chris and Michael went away, which honestly we're all holding out for anyway, but let's say Chris and Michael went away and I have to go find someone to produce the show. What if I put out a resume saying, looking for someone who loves pizza? I love pizza. Does anyone want to come eat pizza? And then they show up and they can't operate the radio. They can't get sound. They can't get anything done. Whose fault is that? Is it the pizza lover? When they seek out these people for these hugely important positions that matter to us, they matter to you, they matter to me, they're not even looking. They're not even looking for qualified people. Isn't that the most stunning thing in the world? I just, it's amazing to me. It is amazing to me. Before I forget, you know I have a TV show, right? Every single night. My TV show's on the first TV, and it's on immediately, immediately at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And tonight, I actually have former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich coming up on the show. My show is called I'm Right. <laughs> and he's super upset about the whole Rittenhouse stuff. I'll tell you a little funny story about Newt Gingrich, actually. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. I know people love Newt or people hate Newt. I don't really care what you think about him. He is one of, I, I think, I, I think he might be a genius. I went to his office one time. And not not his congressional office. This is long after he got out of Congress and he was doing all this, like he's doing now, still doing all this activism for the right. And I went to his office and I was uh, speaking with his people. And Nude is a different cat. I mean, he's certainly a different kind of dude. But I go into his, his room where he does all this thinking and he sometimes meets with the staff there. And I'm looking at, and the walls kind of look a little different. They're all white. So it's not that it's not the color. They just there's something wrong with them. So I go take a look, and the staff looks at me taking a look at the walls in his office. Newt had all of his walls in this room made of whiteboard. So at any given moment, he had the freedom to get up with just some markers and just start sketching things out and writing things on the walls and various ideas he had. And he ain't looking for a pen. He just stroll right up to the wall and sketch things out. And there was writing all over it, all over it. And I've known people like this before. I'm telling you, these people end up being geniuses like me, Chris. <laughs> oh gosh. Did you gosh, this this clip from Joe Biden today. I'm gonna play you this clip from Joe Biden today. And it probably won't bother you the way it bothers me. But this stuff grades on me. It grades on me badly when I hear this stuff. I despise this Western, I'm not even gonna say American because it's it's happened across the West. This Western problem that now men are presented and think they're supposed to be in every level as some weak moron. I hate it. It's everywhere you look. It's in every sitcom or movie. There's the stupid man. I've, he needs to tie his shoes. Someone get a woman. Oh, that stupid idiot oaf. Men are such oafs. Women are saintly angels. And they're geniuses. But men are so dumb. I hate it. It drives me crazy. When I talk to you about chalk all the time, chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com, when I talk to you about chalk, I talk to you about chalk for a reason because they take this manhood stuff very seriously. And by the way, promo code Jesse gets you a huge savings at that website. So chalk.com. I'm not going to get sidetracked, though. Forget about chalk for a second. Joe Biden 
doing this, oh, I'm so dumb. Hey, Jill, can you help me out thing? It bothers me. Now, where am I supposed to go? I'm supposed to get back and see how she points. Look at this. Get back here. You can tell she's a professor, can't you? Well, I'm heading back, Jill. I promise. I'm coming. I'm coming. Oh, I got to introduce the chaplain. The chaplain's going to say a prayer before we eat. I know it's not a big deal. I'm not going to dwell on it. And I, I look, I don't, I don't mind a couple old man jokes. You're going to have to forgive me. I demand more from the commander-in-chief. It's, is that a big deal if it's your grandpa? If it's my grandpa, God rest his soul. Well, both of them. No, it's not a big deal if it's either of those. It's not. It's a big deal that that's the commander-in-chief. Other people watch when this person talks. Other people watch when this person talks. Right now, as we speak, Xi Jinping is surrounded by his advisors in China, and China has a written-down plan to defeat the United States of America, and they even gave us a date by the year 2050. This is not secret. This is in writing. They want us taken down by 2050, and they pay attention to everything we do on top of the endless spying they have in this country. They listen to every word Joe Biden speaks. What do you think Xi Jinping thinks when he hears this? Now, where am I supposed to go? I'm supposed to get back and see how she points. Look at this. Get back here. You can tell she's a professor, can't you? Well, I'm heading back, Joe. I promise. I'm coming. I'm coming. Oh, I got to introduce the chaplain. The chaplain's going to say a prayer before we eat. I'm sorry, I don't think it's entertaining. I don't find any enjoyment in it at all. And a reminder for everybody, we have Daniel Turner coming up next. Daniel Turner, for those who don't know, it's a rare second guest on the show. You know I don't do that much, but with all this talk about the strategic oil reserve, I thought we better have someone on who knows what they're talking about. (laughs) Daniel Turner is one of these energy genius guys. He understands how much coal do we use, how much oil, how do we get it, how does all this stuff work. One of the sharper guys... He's with Power the Future, and he's joining us here in, well, shoot, just a couple minutes from now, and he's going to go over, okay, 50 million barrels of oil from the emergency reserve. Why? What does that get us? What does it do? Does it lower gas prices? Maybe it does. If anyone knows, Daniel Turner knows. Let's find out next. Jesse Kelly show and joining me now is my friend with power of the future Daniel Turner Daniel I'm looking at a headline US to release 50 million barrels of oil from the emergency reserve now before we get into the idiocy of that which I'm sure you'll elaborate on what is the strategic oil reserve yeah it's great to be back on Jesse the reserve is set aside for emergency purposes. So let's imagine a worst case scenario, America's being attacked, they shut down uh, uh, oil and gas operations on the West Coast, and we're like, oh my gosh, we gotta get some oil, we gotta get some gas to our tanks on the West Coast. Well, don't worry, we have this reserve. It's a strategic reserve in various locations throughout the country, it's not all centralized in one spot, and it is for emergency purposes. This president is using it as, as like a reserve fund. Like after you blow all your money at the, at the, at the craps table in Vegas, you're like, ah, at least I got my 401k I can dip into. Okay. 50 million barrels sounds like a lot. Do I dare ask how much is in there? (laughs) 
And you know what's the best part? A couple hours ago, the Secretary of, of, uh, of Energy was giving a press conference, and she was asked, how many barrels do we consume a day? And her response was, I don't have that answer in front of me. Um, and it's because Jennifer Granholm, the Secretary of Energy, is a politician. And I don't have a lot of respect for politicians. She's a mediocre governor. She ran a terrible state in Michigan. Crime was shot through the roof. She's not from an energy state. She doesn't have an energy background. But she's a brilliant politician because she convinced this administration to make her Secretary of Energy. And so she doesn't know how many barrels of oil we use a day. The answer to your question is around 19 million. So 50 million barrels a day doing the quick math, like yourself, I'm not a college graduate. Um, that's not a lot of days of oil. So what will it do to price? Absolutely nothing. This is an effort of Joe Biden's handlers to say, oh, crap, we better do something before Thanksgiving. What do we do? Or in my I tweeted this a little bit earlier, or it's his handlers saying, oh, crap, the guy who killed everyone in, in, in Waukesha, Wisconsin, is a Biden supporter. How do we how do we distract from this and pretend we're the good guys? So, boom, here's a dumb decision we can make. Okay. This this is insane. They're releasing. Honestly, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but releasing three days worth of oil won't actually do even what they want to do. We all know what they want to do. They want to lower the price at the pump, so at least temporarily, so people feel a little better. But it won't even do that, right? No, not, not even remotely. It's not going to have any dent on prices. Um, and, and remember, they are selling it back into the global market uh, after we've already paid for it, right? Taxpayers paid for this money. Government doesn't have any money. They don't have any oil. They, they use tax dollars to buy it, put it in reserves for an emergency. But, I mean, again, look at the history of government. Every time we've ever talked about a rainy day fund, Al Gore used to talk about the lockbox, remember? What, what, oh, yeah. Does any of this fund exist? Is there any rainy day fund? So, not to sound pessimistic, what happens if on Friday there is a real emergency? What if something terrible, terrible happens on Friday and we're like, crap, we need emergency fuel. Well, we have 50, fewer, 50 million fewer barrels than we did today. Right? I mean, so again, it, it's, 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 it's a weakness of America. It's the same of this administration capitulating to OPEC. Last week, he asked China to increase oil production. China, by the way, produces very little oil. It's one of their biggest weaknesses, something a, a, a brave president could capitalize on. China needs to import almost all of its oil. Boy, we could bankrupt the communist Chinese in a matter of months if we so desired. Where do they where do they get their oil from, Daniel? Um, mostly from Iran. And and uh, the, the last administration under, especially with guys like Rick Grinnell, who were in Germany, um, made it very hard for our quote-unquote allies to buy oil from Iran. Up until the Trump administration, France, Italy, Germany, everyone was trading with Iran. Uh, and finally, the Americans were like, um, how about no? How about they're the world sponsor of terrorism? But China still does. So they get most of their oil from Iran. They want to get more of it from Afghanistan, hence their, their relationship with the Taliban in Afghanistan. And they are currently building a pipeline all the way there. But there's one province in China that has been stopping the pipeline, and those are called the Uyghurs. And so what did China do? They just put them all in concentration camps. For those um, wondering what uh, Daniel Turner was referencing, on. by the way, here I just I, do, I want everyone to to take this in. 
The person you're about to hear is not some moron I just yanked off the sidewalk and asked a political question. This is your Secretary of Energy from today. There are various figures about this, so I'm curious if you know. How many barrels of oil does the U.S. consume per day? I don't have that number in front of me. Some suggest it's about 18 million, which would suggest you're releasing less than three days' worth of supply from the Petroleum Reserve. Daniel, um, I know you said she's a politician, buddy. I'm an idiot, and I know how much oil we consume. Surely, at least tell me the communist energy secretary knows how much oil we consume, and she was lying for some different reason. No, I'm sure she has no idea, because she doesn't understand the way the electric grid works. These are the same people telling us we're just going to buy wind and solar, and we can stop using oil and coal. And you say, but wind and solar is made from oil and coal. So how are we going to stop using coal? You need, you need more coal to make electric vehicles and solar panels and wind turbines than if we got rid of those three things and just use the combustion engine and, and, and regular uh, uh, natural gas and coal for electricity. So we need more coal. How does the Secretary of Energy not know this? Because she's a politician, and, and they have a gift at getting elected but they don't want to actually govern. Governing is boring, Jesse, right? Look yeah. at Buttigieg. He took two months off of maternity leave and, <laughs> and watched 400 cargo ships sit in the Pacific, and his response was, big problem, global issue, not much, not much I can do. I just had a baby. Daniel, our Navy right now, does our Navy still run on nuclear power and oil? Do we now have wind turbines on top of these naval uh, vessels? What does our Navy run on, Daniel? Our Navy runs primarily on, on nuclear, which shows you how safe it is, because you, you've heard of all the terrible nuclear accidents of our Navy, right? Now, you have heard of the fact that they couldn't put out a fire Mm. On, on an aircraft carrier in San Diego. I've seen you tweet a lot about that. That is alarming. But nuclear power is fantastic, and, and the Navy does run most of its larger ships on nuclear. Imagine if we ran cargo ships on nuclear, but we're not allowed by law. Imagine if we ran cruise ships. We're not allowed by law. So, so the government uses nuclear, um, but, but the, the free market isn't allowed to use nuclear. If we had our druthers, Jesse, you should be able to build either a small nuclear reactor or a small coal plant in your backyard. But, but that's not the country we live in, unfortunately. What about our Air Force? Uh, can't survive without fossil fuels. There is yet a plane that has had a manned flight that runs on renewable energy. A, a, a plane has run on solar panel that was unmanned. Um, because one of the problems with, with solar is their batteries are extremely heavy. Ask anyone who has any green car, a Tesla, that is the biggest drawback. The batteries are huge, they're very expensive, they only last about eight years, and they are very, very heavy. So our whole Air Force runs on fossil fuels because fossil fuels are friggin' awesome. They've made us the greatest yes, country in the are. world but this administration doesn't see them that way. Yes, they never they celebrate sure America, Jesse. They don't celebrate us. Daniel Turner, Power of the Future. Love all your stuff. Appreciate you, my friend. I celebrate you, Jesse. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. How about that? How about that? Now, do you want your kids to be educated the correct way, or do you want the filth to be poured into their eyes and ears like it is now? 
I, I know the answer to the question. It's a dumb rhetorical question. It's just how. The question's always how, right? I, Jesse, I want my kids to learn the right things. How? And understand, I say the same thing. I go through the same thing. I seek out what I can teach them. I'm such a big fan of the Tuttle Twins books because they've made it so easy. One, my kids love them. My kids are 11 and 13, and they have them all the way down to toddler age, or if you had older teenagers, they have these Tuttle Twins books, and they teach kids about the dangers of communism. They teach them, what is the proper role of government? Kids don't know that stuff. You you know it. They don't. Property rights. Uh, what's property rights? Sound money. What does that even mean? Your kids can become smarter than everyone else about the way the world should work. Go to TuttleTwinsJesse.com. That's TuttleTwinsJesse.com. That gets you 35% off, and it gives you free activity workbooks, which I also encourage you do with do with your kids. TuttleTwinsJesse.com. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. The Jesse Kelly Show, final segment of the Jesse Kelly Show. Just a reminder for everyone out there I will not be here on Thanksgiving Day, but I will be here the day after Thanksgiving Day. So on Black Friday, while you're out insanely waiting in crazy lines to save 50 cents on an Xbox, I will be entertaining you from right here in my chair. So we'll be there then. I, again, I won't be there on Thanksgiving. You know where I'll be on Thanksgiving, Chris? Well, I mean, at my house, but I won't be eating turkey, pal. Tenderloin, baby, tenderloin. And and uh, uh, cobbler, berry cobbler, homemade ice cream, fettuccine Alfredo, and, of course, the star of the show, Red Lobster's Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Remember, you can email the show anything you want, your love, your hate, your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions for Friday, where I'll be here. I'll be here live and in charge on Friday. You can email all that to jesse at jessekellyshow.com. jesse at jessekellyshow.com. All right. Now, boy, was this – I hope something comes of this. From This is Kyle Rittenhouse on Tucker Carlson's show last night. What did you make of the President of the United States calling you a white supremacist? Mr. President, if I could say one thing to you, I would urge you to go back and watch the trial and understand the facts before you make a statement. That's not a small thing to be called that. No, it's it's actual malice defaming my character for him to say something like that. Just wanted to give everyone a heads up. As you know, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, you're probably a lawyer, and you're probably more experienced in the law than I am, but I do sadly know some lawyers. So I thought... That perked my ears up a little bit, as malice is what he said, and defaming my character. That's not how people normally talk. I mean, you might say he's a jerk, that was an insult, that wasn't true, he's lying. Malice and defaming my character, that's lawyer talk, baby. And that's lawyer talk because Joe Biden's about to get sued. And keep in mind, it was not President Joe Biden who called Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist. It was not protected candidate Joe Biden who called Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist. I don't know what's going to come of all that. I don't. I, I really don't. I, maybe maybe all these lawsuits will finally bankrupt some of these scumbag news organizations. Maybe they won't. Maybe all of them will get tossed out. 
But I do know this. It is time to go get a pound of flesh from these people. I don't care of the freedom of the press, all this other stuff. That's very, very important. We have reached a dangerous place in this society when you can just on a whim decide you're going to murder someone's reputation. That is a big deal. And calling someone a white supremacist or a Nazi and then repeating it and repeating it and repeating it and having all the most powerful people in society repeat it so half the country thinks it's true, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. So, again, my thoughts on it are I'm glad he did Tucker Carlson's show. I think Kyle Rittenhouse should now go away for Kyle Rittenhouse's sake. I support him 100%, always will. think he did an awesome thing, something I support all the way. Glad he's acquitted. I think that kid should go hang out with his mom and get out of this rat race because he's already getting death threats. We're already hearing from his attorney. Death threats coming from all over the place. It's terrible. So, Kyle, go. If you're listening, have a beer. Go fishing. Find a pretty girl. Take her to go get some pizza. Go get away. And now, here's a headline. By the, go, you know the, you know the thing. Headlines we didn't get to. Chris just informed me Kyle Rittenhouse is under 21 and can't have a beer. And to which I responded, "Okay, nerd." Back to the headlines. Headline: Soldiers who refuse vaccination can still serve, but their careers are over. Army officials are telling soldiers who refuse to get vaccinated against COVID-19. They aren't getting booted immediately, but they can't stay in service for a career. What happened is they were banking on every single person in the military bending the knee and getting the vaccine. That's why immediately they started throwing around things like dishonorable discharge will ruin your whole life. Well, an unpopular administration can hardly be seen dishonorably discharging tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people for not getting a vaccine. That is the kind of thing that doesn't go over well with the public. Essentially, the Biden administration played chicken with our service members and lost. They played a game of chicken. They lost. So how are they doing this now? Well, the system doesn't the system doesn't sit back. And say, ah, I blew it. Mm, My bad. The system simply adjusts. You don't have to dishonorably discharge somebody. You just have to let some dedicated soldier who wants a career in the United States Army, you just have to let them know they have no more career. You were not going to be allowed to to sign up again. They call it, we called it re-upping. You're not going to be allowed to have that lofty retirement in 30 years with honors. You are now kicked out, and that really is disgraceful. Headline, poll shows cinema's popularity dropping further among Arizona Democrats. That's undoubtedly true. That's something Kirsten Cinema would have known. Apparently, they're already running polls. Cinema trails Representative Ruben Gallego 24 to, 24% to 47% in a potential Democratic primary in her state. I don't feel bad for her one bit, but one does have to appreciate the pickle cinema is in. You can run with the hard left and win your Democrat primary in Arizona, or you can reject the communist left and win the general election in Arizona. What you cannot do is both. 
Headline, Andrew Cuomo personally edited report that undercounted COVID-19 nursing home deaths and downplayed the impact of his March 25th directive. No. You mean someone as upstanding as Andrew Cuomo actually tried to lie about how many seniors he murdered in New York? You don't say. How about that? (laughs) What a dirtball. All right. We're going to be back tomorrow. We're going to have a blast. We have Shamika Michelle on the show again tomorrow. She set the world on fire, and we only had to use the edit button a couple times last time she was on, so buckle up for that one. That's all. So long.